Good morning, and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm Sean Anderson. Coming up on this week's show, an interview with Mark Lucas from Paws Chicago and words from Fire Buddies founder, Kurt DeGroote. Welcome into Score Values. I'm Sean Anderson, joined today by Mark Lucas, the volunteer spokesperson for Paws Chicago, to talk about Match Madness. Mark, how are you? Hey, Sean, I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I love when people are very excited to talk to me, and you are one of these people. Uh, a lot of the best interviews we've gotten have been people who are very excited about their uh, cause, and you seem to be one of those people like Paul Chicago. Oh, very passionate about it. I, I've been involved with PAWS for over 15 years now. Uh, I've adopted through them. I'm a volunteer. Uh, they're several days a week. I don't even want to tell you how many hours a year. I just love being a part of the organization. And can you tell people more about Pause Chicago? Because I don't think everyone knows about them, and I think everyone should know about them if they don't. I, I agree with you. I, for people who aren't aware, Pause Chicago is located in the heart of Lincoln Park at 1997 North Clyboard. We are the Midwest's largest no-kill animal shelter. We're also a national model for the no-kill movement. We were founded in 1997, and since then, we've helped to reduce the number of animals euthanized in Chicago by 91%. Uh, as you mentioned, you adopted your cat from Paws Chicago. We adopt cats and dogs over 5,000 annually through our Lincoln Park Adoption Center. And one thing that a lot of people may not be aware is that we also provide low-cost and, low and free spay and neuter at our medical center in Little Village. It's part of a program that we started a long time ago to help improve uh, the likelihood that people will not only have their animals for their life, but to prevent the unnecessary birth and further overpopulation of animals in Chicago. Uh, another thing I'd like to mention, we've had some two really big um, a yard, I want to say yardstick, but landmark things that have happened in the last two years at Paws. Uh, the first was we opened up our Inglewood Outreach Center. Inglewood, for a lot of people who live in Chicago, know it's a very underserved community. Uh, there are no pet stores. There is no veterinary services. And we realized that that area being so severely underserved was a location where a lot of animals were being given up or set loose because people couldn't care for them. So at our outreach center, we provide free medical um, help to the animals, to the residents. We also provide food, vaccinations. It's a wonderful community that we're able to have a great contact with the people and get them involved in our no-kill movement. And the second, as I mentioned earlier, uh, our medical center in Inglewood, that's been there for almost 20 years. We went through a huge remodel this year, built it out into the largest medical center for homeless pets in the nation. Uh, it's part of a way that we're able to serve not only the animals of Chicago, but also our shelter partners that are located in 13 states across the country, helping risk, high-risk shelters prevent euthanasia. And that's really great to hear about the Inglewood Outreach Center. You can see that over at 910 West 65th Street in Chicago. And, Mark, you, you, we talked about this before we started recording, but uh, the impact that Paws Chicago has had um, both with the COVID outbreak, but then also what the pets have helped us do during the COVID outbreak. So how has the pandemic impact Paws Chicago uh, that you've seen with all the hours that you spent there? 
Well, I think one of the greatest stories to come out of this pandemic was we had a tremendous outpouring of people wanting to foster. A lot of folks found that we're going to be home at home for quite a while, probably longer than we expected. And they opened up their homes to foster animals that were in need. It gave them companionship that I think we all really needed to get through this. And as we were talking about, you know, our animals have become, you know, in some ways our best friends, uh, our psychologists, as we talk to them, uh, they're, they're there to lead on and support. And it's been a really a, an opportunity for pause also to um, kind of pick and roll with the way we've done our business. Uh, all of our adoptions were normally done at the adoption center. And it was a, it's a place that you come in and visit and, you know, view the animals and meet them right there. And obviously with COVID, we're not able to do that. So we had to go virtual, which was a wonderful opportunity for us to retool our program, to allow people to see all of our animals online, uh, to go through the process without having to be worried about the risk of contact and breaking COVID protocol. And we've still managed to maintain over 5,000 adoptions. One of the other things that we really worked on was helping keep those animals in the homes and preventing people again from having to violate you know the covid protocol we have a pet food bank that normally people would be able to go to to get food supplies collars uh bedding folks who can't afford that stuff we took that on the road uh you literally go online and you you put on your wish list and paul chicago our volunteers will you know get in a van drive over to the home leave it at your doorstep sort of like doordash ring the bell and go it helps people keep their animals well fed well cared for and it gives them that sense of security that they need Uh, another thing that's really kind of amazing i know a lot of us have been using telehealth uh from our homes because you can't go visit your doctor we developed the same program. Uh, we started it as part of our Inglewood operation, and we're slowly expanding it where people can go online and have a one-on-one virtual uh, meeting with one of our veterinary staff, talk about what's going on with their animal. We can prescribe some medication. Uh, we can also then have people come in later on for vaccinations if it's needed. Again, part of that program of keeping these animals in the home and, and preventing them from becoming a, really a part of a system that's failed them. Yeah. And that virtual adoption process is something that's very interesting, uh, especially because the big thing that sold us on my cat was the fact that we were able to see and play with them. How do you think that's changed the way that you go about uh, having people adopt pets from Paul Chicago? I, you know, it's it's been challenging um, because the the outpouring has been tremendous. We we literally had over fifty thousand applications, and as much as we would like to put an animal in every home, there's also responsibility that we have to aligning uh, the the animal with the right adopter and making sure that uh, you know the lifestyles match because you don't want to put anybody through the heartache of failure and having to return that animal. So. We developed a compatibility quiz where people, as part of the online process, answer just a couple of real simple questions that uh, deal with your lifestyle. Uh, you, do, you, do you like to sit on the couch and, you know, binge watch your favorite shows? Or, you know, are you somebody who likes to go out and, you know, get some exercise along the lakefront when that's possible? Uh, does your home have kids? Uh, what age are they? What kind of experience? We took all that information uh, and incorporated it into the online process to align people with the right animals. Then our volunteers would call. We'd have, you know, conversations, a little bit of uh, email back and forth. And finally, when you've 
decided on the right animal that fits all of those needs. Then we have you come in. Uh, we have a room that we use where, it, again, all the COVID safety protocols are followed. It's just you, the animal, your family, uh, one of our uh, staff or volunteers. We do that introduction that you got to experience at the adoption center. And then, you know, it's the same process. You go through a little bit of uh, online uh, counsel, find out, you know, some things you might not know about what it's like to have an animal in your home. And you take them home for life. You know, animals are a big commitment. Yes, they are. We're talking to Mark Lucas, the spokesperson uh, and volunteer spokesperson of Paws Chicago. We are here to talk about Match Madness, Paws Chicago's tournament, putting up uh, 32 different pets uh, up against each other. You want to tell us a little bit more about that, Mark? Oh, that I do, because, man, that is that's not to steal the line. Awesome, baby. But it's it's a real fun idea. You know, one of the challenges with COVID is, you know, we're non-for-profit. And so fundraising is a big part of, of our operation, making it affordable for people to adopt and being able to provide the necessary care for the animals. And, you know, like a lot of places, most of our fundraising was done in person at events. You get together for dinners or, you know, those kinds of group runs along the lakefront where you raise money. And we found that that just wasn't possible. So we've had to kind of get creative and, again, pick and roll with it. Uh, That's where we created Match Madness. We've got 32 adoptable dogs and cats that literally are in a a face-off bracket Sort of like your March Madness, but with a twist. Um, the animals that make it to our final fur, if you'll pardon my pun, uh, are actually the animals that aren't adopted. Because, you know, Paw Chicago, we love the underdog. So all the animals that are, are pitted against each other, once they get adopted, they're actually removed from the bracket and it's the ones that remain that move forward we thought this would be a really fun way to kind of have everybody follow as they dribble and drool their way through to finding their forever home and by keeping the ones that are still available we can finally get down to those last four and really highlight the ones that are in most need because all of these animals they had a rough road and these are some of the hardest uh, you know, times for animals and people to find a home. We want to highlight the ones that need the most attention. So as this goes on, we hope people will, you know, kind of play favorites, share on social media. Um, the brackets just closed, like most of our uh, tournaments that some of us are involved in already. But you can still follow along. It's all online. And like I said, if you find a favorite, share them, find them a home. The best thing is to get them off that bracket. Mark, the important thing is you, know, you pick a tournament winner every time in, uh, in, in March for the NCAA tournament. Who'd you have winning the, uh, the Match Madness tournament? <laughs> well, we don't have a dog or cat named Kazinga, uh, so I went with Tarzan. I, I've known Tarzan. He actually came to us back in June. Uh, really sweet. One-year-old lab mix. Uh, he's been in and out of foster. Everybody that's had him calls him a cuddly goofball. Uh, the reason why Tarzan's been with us for a while is when he came to us, he was heartworm positive. So he needed to be in a, in a foster home where he was kind of kept quiet, uh, low-key as he got through his treatment. He's a really sweet dog. Loves hanging out with people. He's a Big volunteer favorite um, because he's such a great guy when we do our training classes. He's already learned sit, stay. He knows how to give his paw. And you know what, Tarzan, he doesn't need a Jane. He doesn't need a jungle. He'd really just like a home where people love him, maybe a big backyard that he could run around and chase some squirrels. And like I said, he's been with us since June. So, yeah, I love the underdog. This is my favorite.
Someone go adopt Tarzan. I love Mark's enthusiasm. That's Mark Lucas, the volunteer spokesperson for Pause Chicago, here to talk about Match Madness. You can go visit the tournament at pausechicago.org slash matchmadness. Mark, before you leave, how can people get involved with Pause Chicago? How can people support Pause Chicago? Oh, you, you know what? I tell people that the four best ways are first off, adopt. It's what we're here for. When you adopt an animal, you're not saving one life. You're saving two. The animal that you're taking home and the space that you're making for another, uh, we're relying on donations. So if you can make a donation, we would love to have it. The, the other kind of donation is your time. Become a volunteer like me. You're going to meet a lot of wonderful, like-minded people. You have an opportunity to do good in your community. Making a difference is something that gives so much value to our lives, and I highly encourage it. And then the last way is foster. A lot of people really love fostering an animal, and they take it in for as short as a week to as long as a month. It's a great way to open your home up, and it's so valuable to us because the information we get from our fosters is what helps us align those animals with their forever homes. It's one of those things where, you know, you're either into animals or you're not. And I totally get that. But it is, as you said, it's a great organization. Um, I've got three dogs, had four. We lost our oldest uh, in July of the last year. All of them are from Paws. All of them are little misfits. Um, they're just, they bring so much more to your life. I never realized how great it was going to be when I got started back in, oh, my gosh, 2005. Uh, and it's just been a wonderful time great work that you guys do and uh, keep it up and hopefully uh, this this gets some uh, eyes and donations going your way. I hope so and you know what I hope once things get back to normal you can come by and visit us maybe we can set something up at the adoption center. That sounds great my girlfriend wants a second cat so we'll probably we'll probably Uh-oh. set that up. <laughs> Thank you Mark. <laughs> really appreciate it. Happen. Mark I love the enthusiasm and hopefully people love the uh, enthusiasm as well and go support Paul Chicago. Mark I really appreciate your time and have a great day. Thank you Sean. To find out more about Match Madness, go to pausechicago.org backslash Match Madness. You can find Pause Chicago on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching at Pause Chicago. That's P-A-W-S Chicago. You're listening to Score Values on 670 The Score. You just heard great passion from Mark Lucas about Pause Chicago, and his energy reminded me a lot of a past guest. I would like you to hear from Project Fire Buddies founder, Kurt DeGroot, about how he found the passion to start his project, Project Fire Buddies. My, sis- my sister passed away from cancer um, several years ago. Um, so it, it's when my, when my sister was going through, she was a single mom. Uh, it was a very a brutal cancer. Um, so when she, when she was diagnosed, um, she didn't have a, a, a huge friend outreach or, or anything like that. And, um, she had a disabled daughter, my niece, and uh, being a single mom on top of going through stage four cancer, it was uh, it was very brutal for our family to see. Um, when, when she was going through those things, um, she needed to raise funds. She needed she needed money, and um, I, we had to, we threw a fundraiser for her actually, you know, benefit. And I had no idea how to do any of that. I reached out to different friends that were a part of different benefits and. I said, you know what, let's let's just give it a shot. Let's see how it works. And, and it actually went really well. We had it at 115 Bourbon Street. It was, we had a lot of family, friends, you know, um, were able to raise uh, a good chunk of funds for her. And it was mainly really for her daughter. So she had some money, um, you know, 
moving forward. So from that point on, it was it kind of it, it lights that fire inside you. You know, like when 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 you when you do something good, you know, and, and it that that was my, actually my 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 family. So it, there was a little bit more of a personal touch. But this is you know aside from my family, like these things could still happen. You know, it kind of refills your cup when you do positive things. If you look at social media and you, you look at everything in the news and social media and everything, and you watch people argue and get angry and, and there's a lot of negativity and, and all the negativity around us is constantly seems like it draws everybody in. Right. And what I also saw is aside from the negativity, if there's positivity out there, it draws people in too. So why not, try to try to fuel that fire you know it, and as we do that and we share our stories we share what we're doing it's it seems to draw a lot of people in which is a positive you know outreach on everything i mean i don't know i, I kind of live my life like try to live try to live to leave the world a little bit better place than you found it you know and 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 while doing that you kind of refill your own cup you refill your your gas tank you know and and it's to drive for more you know, I mean, so I, I'm going to go on a little sidetrack here, and I hope that's okay. Um, we had we had a young man that that was uh, that reached out to us. A family reached out to us, and this was a little over a year ago. And this was a seven year old boy that was diagnosed with um, a rare brain cancer called DIPG. Brutal, brutal diagnosis. Um, so this young man was given a zero percent chance to live past a year at seven years old. Um, when we heard this diagnosis, it was it was God awful. You know, it's like, Oh man, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that as a family? You know, I remember the family reaching out and I was talking to mom and dad and, and they were kind of giving me a, a background of, you know, they're giving me their whole family story, you know, and, and saying, you know, dad was working on his, his, his own business venture and really trying to provide for his family. And, and while doing that, he was working a lot of hours and, and they weren't able to, to get some of those things in in those seven years that that this young man was uh, growing up, you know, he hasn't he never went to like a Bulls game, he never went to a Blackhawks game, but him and Dad would always watch him on TV. So immediately when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, we got to do something about that. So we reached out to uh, I reached out to you know Rich, everybody knows somebody, and if you could reach out to somebody and, and and spread the word, you know, that's that's how we get what we can. You know, I reached out to one of my buddies. He's an incredible lawyer. His name's Rick Murphy. Um, reached out to him, and uh, he hooked me up with Brent Sopel from the Chicago Blackhawks. He's 2010 Stanley Cup champ. Uh, so Brent Sopel called my phone, kind of kind of said, hey, yeah, Rick Rick contacted me. What do you got going on? And, and I told him the story. And um, so Brent was able to hook us up with the Blackhawks, which – we were able to bring the family. The family was able to go to a Blackhawks game, sit right on the glass. Um, Duncan Keith was like their personal escort for the day. So they hung out with Duncan Keith. After the game, they got to go to the locker room. They got to meet the players. Um, did that. So that was awesome. He got a great experience with the Blackhawks. But now we want, we needed to do something for the Bulls. Uh, reached out to a couple friends. Tony Kukoc actually hooked us up. Um, it was, it was my wife's uncle who was actually friends with Tony and which I never even knew. Um, so he was able to set up something for the, for the bulls. And I mean, the family had courtside seats. Uh, Zach Levine was, uh, this young man's favorite player. He got to warm up with Zach, got a Jersey, you know, he got to sit right on the, on the bulls bench. It was, it was just an incredible scenario, you know? So as we keep doing these things and keep building, you know, 
right when we think we have the ceiling and we hit the limit, we, we kind of blow through that ceiling and, and hit a whole new thing, you know. And, it, I mean, it goes all the way back to where we had a young man that finished his cancer treatments and his favorite uh, his favorite actor is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, again, went to Sopel. Sopel hooked me up with his agent. His agent gave me some contact info for different people, said we can use it for anybody in Hollywood whenever we need it. Sent out a few emails, and actually Dwayne The Rock Johnson responded back, and he made a video for the young man, and, and it wasn't even just The Rock. It was Jack Black responding, Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, responded. It was it was an incredible situation. And I do have to say that all of these things and where we are that put us on the map would have never happened if it wasn't for Kendall Coyne Schofield and Michael Schofield. So Kendall Coyne, you know, Olympic gold medalist, women's hockey team. Uh, Michael Schofield was Super Bowl 50 champ with uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, Michael Schofield's father is actually the fire chief in Orland Park. And he saw the organization, and it was right at the time where either we're going we're gonna to blow through that ceiling or we're going to drop down. And Kendall and Michael actually came to the firehouse, talked with me, and they embraced the whole program. And um, they actually helped us set up our 501c3. Kendall covered all of our fees. They're incredible people, and if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be where we are today. I, dude, that's that's awesome. Going from all the way from your your, your sister and having to fight through that, um, and it seems like a lot of the, the your stories are about pushing through even when the, the times are tough. This is Kurt DeGroot, uh, CEO of uh, Project Fire Buddies on Score Values. I'm Sean Anderson. You can visit their project at projectfirebuddies.org. And, and Kurt, the the idea of pushing through—that's how you started the the uh, the organization. You saw these kids while you were working your fire uh, fireman job. And you you wanted to do something for them, um, and and all this stuff is insane. I was going to mention the, the the connection with the Schofields and, and Brent Sopel and and Rock and Jack Black, and and you, you hit all of it. Um, but again, all of it is the positivity that you bring. What's the what's the main reason behind that? Is it just the fact that you're helping these kids, and you know they're facing such hard times, and you just have to put put on a brave face, or is it just you know you you kind of found something here that you really think that you guys are are building so that's it's kind of a two-part so what we didn't realize and um which which right which until we started doing the visits with with uh, different children and going to the houses it's something we realized early on but like i said it was never planned it's just how it worked out um so we, you know in the fire service you got guys that that are veterans that they have seen the worst of the worst in their career you know they've been on for 20 years and 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 they they're they're beasts in the fire service you know they have so much knowledge um but this program that i brought to the firehouse it, it's a new program so you know change is always tough for everybody and i remember one of the one of the firemen that i work with uh was was kind of a little skeptical he's like yeah i don't know how this is going to play out and we went to it and he came with, and he saw it, and he came back to the firehouse, and he's like, I'm not going to lie. He goes, I'll be honest with you, Kurt. Um, every time we turn on the lights and we turn on the silence to the, to the fire truck or to the ambulance, we're always greeted with, with screams and cries and, and, and fear and, and tragedy. He goes, I, I can honestly say that, you know, when we turn on the lights and sirens on this, we were greeted with smiles and, and happy tears. And he's like, 
I just I never realized that I associated the you know the lights and the sirens with 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 kind of a negative presence presence, and now this is turning it into a positive. So seeing that that's kind of like that's that's kind of like your payment. You know, we're we're a hundred percent volunteer organization, and nobody pulls a salary, but we, the 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 feelings of doing these good things and going above and beyond for these for these children is is the payment in itself, you know, just, just seeing the smile, seeing, seeing them. It's like an escape for them for that short period of time. You know, we're, we're, we're not a cancer research uh, organization. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not splitting atoms on my, on my off time. You know, I, I'm a fireman and I'm a construction worker, but let's, let's, let's offer an environment for them to kind of pull away from the reality and kind of live in a dream state, you know, and, and when we started looking at making things larger, aside from just building the relationship with the kids, I, I you know, was looking into Make-A-Wish and, you know, Make-A-Wish is a great organization. They do great things and, and they, um, and just, just the things they do is great. But I never realized that Make-A-Wish was started by uh, Arizona State Trooper um, in 1980. And it was just, he, he a uh, kid that wanted, it was a big fan of the show Chips, wanted to become an Arizona State Trooper and he had less than a week to live. And so they, they reached out to the state trooper and he was able to do this for him. And after he did this for this young man, he developed make a wish, which I never knew that, but I'm like, this is kind of the same way we're going, you know, very similar. Um, we keep, we, we, we keep the relationships together and everything stays in the firehouse where make a wish. hits a broad spectrum. They, they touch on everything, but it's, it was, it's pretty incredible when you see that. That was Project Fire Buddies founder, Kurt DeGroote. You can visit their website at projectfirebuddies.org. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of our show, or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Sean Anderson, and thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score.